director and lifelong bangster. I've had bangs my whole life. Woo! I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and former Jon Stewart superfan. <laughs> former? I, I haven't kept up with him, but I went in high school, I was obsessed with him. But you still support him as a person. There hasn't been like a huge shift I don't know what he's up to now. Oh, you don't know? He's at the, he's at Congress rallying to get them to support 9-11 survivors' health care. Oh, well, then I still like him. Okay. <laughs> I had a signed picture of him in my room when I was younger, when I was in high school. But you then went on to intern at The Daily I Show. I was an intern at The Daily Show. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Yeah, yes. I interviewed, didn't get it. Really? Yep. Seems about right. We've got a great episode for you this week. We're going to be talking to Kate Gilmore, a primatologist. You're so excited. You I'm love so, animals. I love animals so much. Later, we'll be talking about reclaiming historically demeaning words. Ooh, ah. But first, hit it! International question! International question! International question! Cassandra, Maryland. Cassandra says... If a married man hits on you, do you have an obligation to tell his wife? Interesting. I know. I like this. Now the background. Uh, I work at a magazine as a summer intern, and a cute guy came in for a job interview a couple of weeks ago. We walked together afterwards, and he later found my email. I didn't even tell him my name and asked me out on a date, but it was clear he was trying to hook up. Oof. He is a pretty well-known New York Times reporter. I tried so hard to find out who this was, by the way. <laughs> but don't try to find him or guess who he is. So I tried. She, she specifically asked you not to do that, and you did it anyway? Oh, I, I looked into it so hard, but I found nothing. I told my parents about it, and my dad promptly looked him up and found his marriage announcement from last year. Yep. I was very grossed out and mad and then wondered if I should tell his wife, which seems like the feminist thing to do. However, I'm not in the business of being a homewrecker, especially since nothing actually happened. Should I let this woman know her husband is a scumbag? Let me also add that he is 28 and I am 19. He was aware of my age and the fact that I'm an intern. So here's my number one red flag. How did he get your name? I don't know. How did he get your email? Mm. Ha- that is- well, he probably is some sort of investigative reporter. So, <laughs> but I'm saying if someone's gonna do it. It's him. But that's that is um, non-consensual and creepy, right? But I okay. But this obviously in this specific scenario, it's like very clear he's in the wrong. But I've wondered this always about if you're supposed to tell someone when their partner is is stepping out. So here's the thing: you don't know if they have some sort of arrangement. Mm-hmm. Or if they have some sort of open relationship. However, in the email, he should have said, I'm married, by the way, and my wife and I have an right. arrangement. Because, and then even in that situation, you kind of got to check with the wife. Because a lot of people say that and they're lying. I also, I, in this scenario, I'm worried about the havoc that it will cause your life. Like if yeah. you blow up this man's life and he's in the same industry as you and then he wants like to have a vendetta against you because you ruined his marriage in his head. I don't know. I feel like in this scenario, even though I think the the right th- – I don't think there is a right thing. I think that there's like a moralistic thing, which is to tell the wife. 
But I think for your own safety and sanity, maybe just let it be. I, I, uh, yeah. Which is not what my answer would have been five years ago. My answer five years ago would have been like, you got to tell her. Yeah. I, I, because also, well, they might, and then like, you know, they might, I don't want to say that you have to check with the wife because they might have a don't ask, don't tell. But I think he, if he, if they are open, he should have included that in the email. However, um, I, there is a world in which you just write back to him and say, does your wife know? Yeah. But then you're, but and just again, scared, this is such scare a specific him. scenario because this is yeah. not someone she wants in her life anyway. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if she should engage with him any more than, like, I don't even think she should respond to his email. But sh- wouldn't that scare him? Yeah. If she was like, if she was like, uh, I, I'm not, I, I'm not interested in going out, but also like, does your wife know you're asking out interns? You know what I mean? Like, like freak, right. freak them out, scare them. Yeah, give them a little spook. Because you know, you're an intern at a newspaper. You can find shit out too. <laughs> you're a reporter. <laughs> Your dad too. knows how to Google. Exactly. I also that's so you that she told her parents about it. That is the most Alice Baskin <laughs> thing I've ever heard in my life. But yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, so, I guess yeah. I like I like that approach. This is the thing that gets tricky. Is sometimes they don't want to hear it. The what? Yes, exactly. So this is the thing that I want to say. My any time that this has been the situation for me, and I've told the the girl, um, and I and it you've it, done that, uh, yeah. And any time I've told the girl, they are angry at me. Really? Instead of being angry at him, if you knowingly engaged in an affair with this person, and now are deciding to tell them, yeah, there might be backlash. If you. If this person hit on you and you did nothing and yeah. then just told the wife, the backlash is ridiculous. But sometimes the wife will come back and be like, well, what did you do? Like, right. you, so you know what I mean? you're There's, taking a risk. You don't know the wife. It is a lot more likely that they will, because they don't know you, it is unfortunately a lot more likely that they will be angry at you to avoid ending their marriage. That's an assumption about what type of person that woman is, though. There's all different. I mean, types. but what are you gonna? You know, also like, uh, there's a uh, there's a thing where you don't want to believe it, like you said. Like you're like, oh, you're making this up. Like I don't want to. I'm not believing it or whatever. And he could go to her and be like, well, uh, the only thing is, is that he left a paper trail, right? Which is so stupid. You can just forward that email. Yeah, which is dumb as hell. Um. So yeah, I guess if you were gonna contact the wife, I would make sure you included the email. Yeah, forward so that the email. There's like no, there's no vagueness about exactly what went down. Right. Yeah. And then. The thing I always say, if, like, you find out that someone is cheating on someone, right? So let's say, like, maybe it's more personal. Let's say you're friends with a couple and you find out one person is cheating on the other person. Mm -hmm. What I would do is I would go to the cheater and I would say, if you don't tell them, I will. Yes, I've done that. I've also done that. And you give them that that option. I've also done that. You have 24 hours to tell them or I will. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's the power move. Yeah. Um, And so, again, with this scenario – you, you don't know them. So, like, even if you said that to the guy, he, you could be like, yeah, I told her. And you'd have no idea because you don't know the wife. Right, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this is the, the tricky word here is obligation. And I that's where it gets murky. Like, I don't know if there's an obligation. I think that there is a desire to share with that woman yeah. and to protect other women and to, like, let the truth be known. But I think obligation maybe goes too far. I don't think there is an obligation to say anything. I think it's different. If you know the people. If you know the people. Yeah, exactly. And so if I think if it is your friend, yeah, then there is an obligation. Even though I think sometimes that ruins friendships. Yeah, because they don't want to hear they it. They don't want to hear it or they don't believe you or yeah. whatever. Or then they get back together and it's like too embarrassing to – 
to stay friends because with you, you knew about you knew. it or whatever. Um, but again, those types of reactions all speak to what type of person that is, mm-hmm. and like a lashing out and an insecurity and like the inability to to value your friendship. And so maybe that's not even a person you want to be friends with anyway. Can we talk about um, not just no. like women? Oh my god, <laughs> not just like women to to wives, but. Um, the way that sometimes men cover for each other. So like if it's a couple and it's it's straight couples and the the guy cheats and he's like feels comfortable to cheat in front of his friend and then the friend is expected to not say anything. Mm-hmm. Is that does that friend is are they a bad person for keeping that or are they a bad person if they go to the what you know what I mean? Like if you're a dude, I feel like the obligation is to like just just like cover for your friend versus like go to the guy's wife and be like look he's not a good person i think you're a bad person yeah if you cover for your friend but that's i think that's the I assumption under, i understand that that's like bro code but yeah i have like an issue with all of this stuff where it's like well that's the way it's always been right that to me doesn't mean that it's good or right that it's a practice that should continue so yes maybe in 2012 all guys looked out for each other right but now in 2019 fuck that like you know like women that go through enough shit. <laughs> my um my grandfather, Pepe, so in the fi- you know, it's like the fifties, and he was a doctor, and uh there was this assumption that all doctors uh had their wives at home and then were like fucking nurses, right? And Pepe was hated it, was so against it. And if he and it was like this thing that we we would talk about in the family because it was like so, you know, it was like fucking madman times. Like it was so expected that that was what was going on, especially for powerful men like doctors. And Pepe would fully stop being friends with guys that he found out were doing that and was like so against it and would fully like was like very strange for his time. Like people thought he was like like his the other doctors thought he was like stuck up. Because he would just be like, no, that's fucked up. And it was, like, so weird for his time to be doing that. So you're talking about, like, the time or whatever. But, like – I think morally and just, like, objectively it's bad. Yeah. And so who cares cares if it's, like, socially acceptable? It's time for us to break out of that stuff. That it was, like, notable that Pepe was, was Mm -hmm. like, thought that was fucked up. And people would be like, he's such a wet blanket or whatever. No, and that and like it's people like that that then slowly started moving away. That now, when we think of that, we're like, well, that's crazy. You can't do that, right? It's because of those outliers who were like, excuse me, right? Not so cool. See, now honestly, now I'm like, maybe she should email the wife. Mm. It's too I much think, drama. Yeah, I think it's too much drama. But I think she should email him back with the wedding announcement. Absolutely. And say, does your wife know you're asking out 19-year-old interns? Absolutely. I, yeah, I think I think we should not let men get away with this stuff because I think that, like, not replying, then he's like, oh, well, I took a shot. I, I yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No repercussions. Mm-hmm. But I think we have to, like, as a unit, just start to, like, not tolerate this stuff anymore. Yeah. If if um if you're a, a woman and your female friend is cheating. Do you tell the guy? Do you tell the guy? I think you do the same thing. I think you say, if you don't tell them, I will. Yeah. Or just be like, hey, I don't like this. Yeah. It's pretty fucked up. Like, what's this about? Why are you doing this? I've never had a friend that was actively cheating on their partner that I knew of. Oh, like like reoccurring? Yeah. Yeah, I have. And you were okay staying friends with them? (sighs) I mean, this was like, I was very young, and I think like a lot of shit was... I mean, I've also, like, 
I'm not a, a great I've, I'm not a like a perfect human being. And I think I've talked about this. Like I've I've been in a relationship where like I was cheating or like I've been the other woman in situations like I'm not I'm not like a I'm not a role model, as Britney Spears <laughs> once said. When I was doing all this shit, like if someone had, you know, said if someone had had said something, it could have it could have stopped it and I would have been out of that bad relationship. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or like or or like uh if if someone had said to like when I w- whenever I was like the other woman, if someone had said to them like you know, then it could have gotten resolved, I feel like. But instead, because people didn't say anything or people stayed out of it, it just, like, it just kept festering. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, I, I, it's hard for the people in it to do the right thing. And, like, I think maybe I would have been upset, but I also think probably in the long run it would have ended these these toxic situations so much earlier if someone had stepped in and, like, been, like, told somebody, you know? So overall, our advice is, you know, in this specific situation, hold him accountable and let him know that you're not okay with this bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, send him that wedding announcement and mention that you're the intern, yada, yada. With your friends, give the guy, give the cheater the option to tell first mm-hmm. and then go to your friend. But also know the risks of involving yourself in this situation. But I think that the more as a society we join together to be like, this is bullshit – Yes, uh, then still, I think it will be tolerated less. One guy who was cheating on me with a bunch of different women, I messaged all of them, and then now a bunch of them, we're all friends. I know. <laughs> this is how Gabby's gotten all of her friends. If from, he, from fucking this, from him, this one guy cheating on with 11 women, and now I'm friends with like five of them. Look at that. That's <laughs> half your social group. If you want to submit your international questions, send it to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. Stay tuned after the break. We have a very spicy interview with Kate Gilmore. Get your monkey questions ready. (laughs) Hi, everyone. Allison here. Anyone who knows me well knows that I love to read. I am always looking for new books, and that is why I am so excited that this episode is sponsored by Book of the Month. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and to promote the work of emerging authors. It was so fun for me to get to pick which book I wanted to read this month and have it shipped right to my door. Book of the Month makes it easy to decide which book to read next. Each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles. They pick some of the best new books for you to choose from. All the books are good, so you can't go wrong. Every aspect of the Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. They have a highly anticipated release at the beginning of each month. Books are delivered in this really adorable bright blue box, and there's a fun app to help you pick your book and track your reading process. They also offer great values on new release hardcover fiction. It's much cheaper than other options, shipping is always free, and with a loyalty program, you get rewards and even lower prices the longer you stay as a member. My first book from Book of the Month was The Husbands by Holly Gramazio. I am tearing through this book. It is so fun. It's basically about this woman who one day comes home and there's a husband in her apartment and she's like, where did you come from? And then she figures out that every time her new husband goes into the attic, a new husband comes out and she's she's like shuffling through all these different husbands from the attic trying to figure out which one is the best. It is right up my alley and I love it so much. So if you want to take part in Book of the Month and have a brand new book shipped right to your door every single month, 
Go to bookofthemonth.com and get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That's $5 off with code PEDALS. I cannot recommend this enough. Has dealing with stress and trying to get more focused a New Year's resolution you haven't cracked yet or don't really know how to fix? I have a lot of trouble staying focused and I also get super stressed out and I think the not being able to stay focused really dovetails with that. So if there was a way for me to keep my focus that didn't also cause my brain to get so scattered with stress, I would love to be able to fix it. I sometimes can't focus on the task at hand because I'm so busy realizing that there are things I need to do on the Just Between Us Instagram account. So I'll be like fully writing something and all of a sudden my brain will go, JBU Instagram, have to post on social media. Truvega is a handheld product that stimulates the vagus nerve to improve overall health and wellness. Stimulating the vagus nerve with Truvega helps to balance and strengthen the nervous system, which reduces stress, increases focus, improves mood, and improves sleep. Truvega is owned by Electrocore and uses its patented technology for overall health and wellness benefits. Its utilized technology is the most clinically studied and tested vagus nerve therapy available. Customizable sessions are only two minutes long. Recommended usage is one session in the morning and one at night. Truvega comes programmed with 350 sessions, which if used twice a day will last approximately six months. It's drug-free and easy-to-use therapy to help improve your health. No app or phone is required. We offer free standard shipping, payment plan options, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. It's only available in the U.S. at this time. Visit Truvega.com, T-R-U-V-A-G-A.com, and enter promo code JUSTBETWEENUS to enhance your wellness journey, support this podcast, and receive $15 off. That's T-R-U-V-A-G-A.com. Check out promo code JUSTBETWEENUS. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Let me tell you all about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. Right before I found out about this project, my mom made an offhand comment about wanting to write a memoir because she had such a wild childhood and there are all these things she's never really talked to us about. But asking someone to sit down and write a memoir is kind of daunting. So then I got her mylifeinabook.com and now she's getting prompts to answer on a weekly basis and it's a lot easier than just undertaking an entire memoir. I'm so excited to see what my mom does with mylifeinabook.com because she's someone who doesn't always feel comfortable just sharing about herself but having these prompts and knowing that I really want to hear her answers is going to inspire her to probably share more with me about her life and her upbringing than I've ever been shared with before so I'm so excited for that check out mylifeinabook.com and use code just between us at checkout for 10% off create an unforgettable gift for your mom this mother's day that's mylifeinabook.com use code just between us for 10% off today Just between us. Welcome back to 
just between us, it's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting, Tough Questions! Yeah, really scandalous and controversial stuff happening today. Because we are talking to Kate Gilmore, a professional primatologist and lead keeper of the great apes and old world monkeys at the Los Angeles Zoo. I am shaking with excitement. Yeah, this is Allison. <laughs> this is the best day of Allison's life. I've been telling everyone that you're coming on the pod. I have so many questions. I'm here. Um, here's my first question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just just jump, jump right on in. <laughs> Okay, so have you seen those videos of monkeys being shown magic tricks? Uh, yes. And in one video, it's clear that the monkey is laughing. Mm-hmm. So are monkeys able to understand, like, goofs? Well, okay, so I think the one you're talking about <laughs> oh um, is actually with an orangutan. Yes. Like the, the red one? Yes. Okay, so can I just say it's not a monkey? Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. It's I'm already ape. embarrassed no, myself. No, it's fine. So, <laughs> no, it's okay. So orangutans are great apes. Okay. And they absolutely laugh. Really? Yes. It's not quite like our laugh. So I specialize in chimpanzees. So their laughter is kind of more of like a... Like a <laughs> <laughs> so they're totally laughing when they find something funny, like when they're tickling each other or something like that. The video I saw, yes, it was really cute. Um, seemed to be really, really enjoying it. Like he was tickled by it. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. so that they're, they, they can... Absolutely. Then, they can definitely find things funny. And then, but then I saw another more recent video... Wow, I, Allison. I'm so, this is all I watch. And um, and it was a different type of primate, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure exactly what. And it was another magic trick, and the the primate kind of, like, reacted, like, <gasps> and, like, kind of, like, banged on the glass. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, oh, they're so shocked by the magic trick. But then I saw primatologists be, like, actually, this they're, like, being aggressive, and they're mm-hmm. trying to attack. It kind of depends. So just like you and I, some people are going to find some things funny, some things are going to, like, some of us are going to find things really scary. So I don't know the video in question, but certainly we have, like, let's say someone brings a service animal to our exhibit area. Yeah. Some of our animals are just kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Some find it funny and others get very upset and aggressive. So just like us, they're completely different. Their personalities are. Yeah. Some find service animals funny. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it's not something that they see every yeah, day. So yeah, like, that's funny. Like, they brought a dog. What's interesting? They're like, oh, the giraffes? No biggie. Elephant? No problem. What is that chihuahua doing? Yeah. Because <laughs> they don't know what it is. They have absolutely no idea. Mm-mm. Would you um, say that animals are much smarter than people think they are? I would say animals are just as smart as they need to be. What does Tell that me mean? more about that. Yeah. Well, it's like they can do stuff that we can't do, and we can do stuff that they can't do. So, like right. a chimpanzee, okay, it can't read. Does mm-hmm. that mean it's not smart? No, it has this muscle um, brain memory to remember all the different fruiting fig trees and exactly what week they're going to open throughout the year. We can't do that. We have absolutely no idea. So, their intelligence is based on what they need to know to survive. Whoa. I know. I just blew your mind. I know. Wow. Yeah. No, they are extremely intelligent. And they remember things and, yeah. Like, what do they remember? Well, like, we have... They know you? uh, They absolutely know me. Mm -hmm. They know know whether we're there in uniform or outside of uniform. Um, How does that differ for how they interact with you? Oh, it's it's they don't care. I mean, I can show up in front of the exhibit on my day off, and they're like, "Hey, Kate's really? here. Does she have anything?" I was like, no, I'm here with my kids. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, not I'm not doing that today. But nice to meet you. Oh, nice <laughs> to see you. Um, but they will um, certainly, if I'm standing at a window surrounded by ten patrons, they will come to me. Really? Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Just and be like, "Hey, I never see you out here. This is fun. What you doing?" That's amazing. You know. Can they? Can you tell that if they have like favorite people? 
Yeah, I mean, our guys are very used to all different. I mean, we we keep our um, our building very open to other keepers and vet staff because we don't want them to be stressed by a stranger in the building. Mm-hmm. Like that that doesn't help for us, um, especially for like behind the scenes donor tours and things. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that they're comfortable. So we do keep kind of a rotating um, group of people coming through. So. Um, so they're very used to it. They don't. Uh, some primates are going to be more, again, like us, more sensitive than others. But mm-hmm. the chimpanzee troop I work with, they're kind of they they know their keepers. They know the people that they see more often. Strangers, they're certainly going to be interested in, mm-hmm. but they're not going to assume that they're going to give them anything. Yeah, does that make sense? Like, yeah, like they're, they're like, hey, you're new, you're cool. Because you're here, I bet Kate's going to give you some food. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, like, so they are even able. They understand. That. Absolutely. Yes, and they they certainly know their names. People always ask they know that. their names. Well, yeah, if a dog knows their name, yeah, a chimpanzee <laughs> is going to know their name, and they're going to know the names of all the other chimpanzees. So, um, oh, they, they do. Yeah, they've done studies where you can um, like show photos and be like, okay, which one is. Ben, and they can point to Ben, and which one is, and we you could do it for the keepers too. Like, which one's Kate? They pick up. I mean, they're yeah, they're we have very close relationships. Do you? How much do you know about dogs? I I know some about dogs. So how smart are dogs? <laughs> Not as smart as a chimpanzee, but they're as smart as they need to be to survive. There you go. Well, yeah, because Sugar knows th- her name, and she knows who you are. Well, yeah, I guess I'm I'm always curious about like what I. Like, are they identifying me on looks or on smell? Probably both. Both? Yeah. Like, if I came it's in... It's like you're a full picture, and it's also your energy as well. Yeah. So if I, like, came in, like, wearing a hat and, like, in weird clothes and, like, with a wig on, would my dog still know it was me? I think it would be a, huh? Oh, it's you. Yeah. It's, like, almost with humans. Like, Frankly, oh, you're wearing a you'd costume. probably surprise them at first. Yeah. Right. I, w- I wish Sugar could laugh. Oh my god, that would be creepy, though. I know a dog she probably laughing. Would, I would all I would do all day is just try to make her laugh. That would be so creepy. But I mean, they kind of show their joy and pleasure in another way yeah. by tail wagging or jumping or whatever that particular dog does. Mm-hmm. You know when you're making your animals happy. I mean, it's obvious, yeah. even if they don't have the ability to actually laugh. Yeah. How many chimpanzees are in your enclosure? So I work at the LA Zoo, and we have 15 chimpanzees. We have five males and 10 females. It's one of the largest multi-male, multi-female groups in a zoo setting in the country, which is fabulous. The bigger the group, the more it's going to naturally mimic the groups you would find in the wild. Mm-hmm. Right. And ours range in age from four and a half to 39. Oh, oh my wow. God. Yeah. How what long is, do they live? Yeah, what's a lifespan? Um, that's not... Cut and dry, but I would say, let's say 40 to 50. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same in human care and in the wild, except that, with a big caveat, that in the wild, a lot of the chimps do not make it to age 12. Because oh, okay. of poaching and disease mm-hmm. and habitat loss, and if they lose their mom, they tend not to do very well, and they pass. Um, so once they each uh, reach age 12, they should reach 35, 40, 45, mm-hmm. but that's almost it's, like... It's, it's tough. Right. Yeah. Wait, so if they, they have family, like if they lose their mom, they're devastated? Yes. Wow. Yeah, one of Jane Goodall's back in the 60s, I'm sure you've heard of her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone, yes, of course. Um, so she actually had a, um, a female pass, and her son was four. And she think, I mean, she always treated them a little bit less scientifically and a little bit more... Subjectively, yeah. emotionally. But she thinks he just died of a broken heart. He just, he was old enough, he probably could have made it. He just didn't want to. Yeah. So he passed. So they depend on their moms wow. until they're like eight years old. Wow. So they do get weaned at three to four, even though we actually have a six-year-old who still breastfeeds. And you're like, really? <laughs> you're like, come the, on, The Karen. mom's like, it's totally fine, whatever. It's, <laughs> it's here. So we let them do whatever they want in that regard. Um, but so 
but the mom protects them and teaches them mm-hmm. until they're seven or eight years old. And then when they're around eight to 10 years old, the females would then leave their family group. So if you lose your mom before then, it's going to be really hard for you. Right. Okay, it's possible, so, but it's going to be really hard. Do they have relationships with their dad chimps? They don't. So it's a multi-male group. Yeah. So no one – so the dads, all the males, mm-hmm. breed all the females. So no Got one knows it. whose baby is who. Oh, interesting. But it actually works really well because all the dads have to take care of the kids because they don't know which ones are theirs. Wow. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. And so what is it normally like a group in the wild? Is it about the same numbers? Well, you could say it's kind of like groups of, um, let's say, 15 to up to like 150. Oh, wow. But they're not together all the time. Right. So in the wild, they do um, fission fusion. So – yeah, you have a group of 150, but most likely they're going to be spending most of their days in much smaller groups. Got it. They'll come together for like a super cool fruiting tree, in which case if one mini group finds it, they'll send out the food call and everyone will come over. So it's kind of mixing and matching, but it's one big group. Yeah, like if, if a female's giving birth, she does yeah. tend to like go away for a couple of days to be like, I just want to be away from everyone, have my baby, and I'll come back. So and she do gives birth alone. Um, recent studies have shown like that's actually – they probably have been doing that for a very long time, but people are just starting to notice it. Oh, yeah. Which is cool. But do you want to know a super cool fact? Yes, about- yes of yes? course. Okay. So you can tell what kind of societal structure a primate group has by testicle size. What? What, what do, do you mean? mean? Okay. So if it's a multi-male group, the males have to breed all the females all the time because you never know when one's going to stick, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have huge testicles. Massive. Because they, they need have to, to have, have a lot so of sperm. Much sperm. Yeah. So like human males on average, and it, it varies a lot, but on average it's like two million sperm mm-hmm. and chimpanzees it's are two billion sperm and chimpanzees it's like ten billion. Because wow. they have to have sex like, you know, all like time. six, eight times a day. Really? What? Yeah. Is that happening in your enclosure? Absolutely. They have a grand old time out there. That's fine. <laughs> Do they experience pleasure though? I don't know, but they certainly don't seem to mind it. They don't yeah. mind it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Right. I don't know that. Um, the females, frankly, could be eating a snack while the boy is doing whatever he's doing. She's like, I just don't care. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but so then you look at, like, gorilla families, which is just one male and a whole bunch of females. Yeah. Well, he doesn't have to breed them all the time because he knows that all the kids are going to be his. So his balls are tiny. Like, <gasps> like. Like dime sized. Interesting. Yeah. Is there big personality differences between gorillas and chimpanzees? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What are they? Well, out of all this, so there are five great apes. There are chimpanzees, gorillas, orangutans, bonobos, and people. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I really want to get to bonobos. At I, some love point. Bonobos. Okay, I love bonobos. I love bonobos. They all are completely different. So, so we're considered a great ape. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, we are great ape number five. We're the only one that is not endangered. Wow. Yay. Oh. Of course, the others are endangered because of us. I know. We're the, we're the we're bad the, guys. We're the worst. We're the villains <laughs> of this story. Absolutely. We're the worst. Um, but yeah, so like orangutans live very solitary lives. They're pretty quiet. They have huge territories. And the males will kind of bop in and out of some females' territories. And there's not a lot of social interactions. The females kind of live by themselves or with their offspring. It's very chill, very mm-hmm. relaxed. Um, even when a, orangutans are fighting, it's like oddly quiet. It's just like <laughs> creepy. It's like you just hear like like grunting and like <laughs> creepy. Just, why would why they you? fight like over territory? Over or? territory, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or food? Uh, or something? Food. Um, uh, territory is number one. I mean, yeah. like two males are like no. Like the crop of females over here is amazing. You're not going to take it away. Got from it. That kind of thing. Um, gorillas are kind of. I mean, the silverback gorilla has this big reputation of being like big and scary, and everyone's mm-hmm. always pounding of the chest. 
they are completely designed for bluff shows. Like, they don't really want to fight. Yeah. Um, so the males will bluster and bluff. Yeah, I mean, it takes up so much energy, and you could get hurt. So they're very chill. They eat a lot. They forage. They're very quiet, and they're extremely peaceful. So they have this horrible reputation. Like, probably King Kong. Yes. Did, right. did not help right. that at all. Yeah. <laughs> or but any of ch- the Rocks films. Or any <laughs> of those. Yeah. So, so and it, gorillas are one male to multiple females? Yes. Okay. So it's like one king. And his little harem and his offspring. Got it. Okay. And the only reason they're really going to fight is going to be, I mean, females fight occasionally. They mm-hmm. just kind of piss each other off. But it's very quick and very, n- not a huge deal. The males will fight, though, if, like, you have a young male coming up and he's like, I want to take over oh. that group. Then you'll have a large male fight. But most of it, and is it is to bluff death? displaying and show- No. No, good. They just don't want to. Good. Just, somebody, just, somebody gives they're just, in. They're so peaceful, and they're these huge, gentle giants that have this horrible reputation. Mm-hmm. Chimpanzees, on the other hand, don't have a great reputation, and they have kind of earned it. Because out of all the great apes, well, us aside, um, they are by far the most aggressive and unpredictable and violent. It's just how their society evolved and how it works. So they actually do wage war, just like we do. So they have their territories. Like with strategy? Yeah, absolutely. So then They're the at males, war with each other. Yes, the males will do perimeter checks around their territory. And if they find an errant chimp in there, they will take care of it, sometimes to the death or just chase it off. But, you know, they don't, they don't mind it dying. However, if it's a young female wandering in just to see... Leaving her group, they'll be like, well, you're allowed to come in. So yeah. they'll escort her into the group. But if it's a male, and they, um, there was one group that um, Goodall studied where it was this one big group, and then there was an alpha vacuum. So they weren't sure who was going to be the next alpha male, and it was warring factions. And the groups eventually split into a North community and a South community, like a full-on split. The North group, over a period of three or four years, went down and exterminated everyone in the South group because they had left. Even though they had lived together for generations. But it's like once they you were leave, like, you're our you're enemy done. now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So oh my however, God. I mean so they do but all But the that. South group didn't feel compelled to do that. It was only the North group Correct. that acted out like that. Yeah. And, and why then, do you think that was? That's well they had, the, they had so they used to have the whole territory. But why did like but why like, wouldn't the South, South fight back? try to fight you know what I mean? Like I is have it no just idea. is it the same that in like cer- certain people are like less prone to do that than other people um, I mean, it's been a while since I read about it, or since I I knew all the details about it, but I'm, I think just the more dominant ones were in the north, and then like yeah. the south ones were like, we don't want to put up with them anymore, so we'll just, we'll form a nice commune down here, and that right. did not work out well. But, um, so like if you come to the zoo, and you might see the chimps fighting, and, and mm-hmm. most of it is just complete bluffing and screaming, and it sounds horrible, and they're <laughs> jumping on each other, and you're like, oh, all right. But they're built for it. Like, they're extremely strong. They heal really, really fast. So most of the time, we don't even have to, like, stitch them up or anything. It's mm-hmm. just like, they'll be fine, I swear. But if you then watch to see the resolution of the fight, they immediately reconcile. Really? Yeah. So they piss each other off, just like we do. But unlike us, who holds on to things and don't actually speak our mind or say anything, chimpanzees can't do that. They have no filter. So if, like, they are annoying each other... They'll have it out and then immediately sit down, share food, groom, chill, and everything's fine. Wow. So. How do you – how does it come to a resi- – like how does a fight end? One person sort of surrenders or yeah. one I, – I call them – I know. I okay. do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I had one person. Uh, chip, whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, the thing. Uh, yeah, one just has to give up or make their point. Okay. And it could be something as small as, hey, you touched my baby too hard, so now I'm going to go after you. You can't touch my baby like that. Wow. Or, hey, that was my pair and you took my pair. Or it could be, I mean, honestly, we've seen st- fights start, and you're like, I have no idea. 
What? <laughs> someone looked at someone wrong. It's hot. I don't know. Yeah, people yeah. just yeah. irritable. <laughs> just and there are days you're like, I don't know what is going on with this group today. They are just like, all right, fine, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then what are what's the bonobo society like? That's a matriarchy. That's a matriarchy. Yep. So that's lots of males and lots of females, but the females run the roost. So instead of dealing with a lot of their problems through aggression and violence, they deal with it through sex. But it's not like they never fight. Yeah. Right. Like chimpanzees are very aggressive and very violent. They can also be so loving and communal. Bonobos are extremely loving and communal, but they can be really nasty too. How but so? But you don't hear with the same fighting. Oh, okay. The same fighting. Mm. And their screams are somehow even higher pitched than a chimpanzee. It's just, <laughs> so they it's do really they do fight. special. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah the they the females fight. fight each other? Yeah. yeah. And they fight the males. Mm hmm. And so that uh, that's a matriarchy in that, like, you're if you're a male, you're attached to your the mom's status, right? So mm-hmm. if your mom dies, suddenly you're at the bottom of the chain? It's not necessarily at the bottom. So that is a, well, we don't know. Okay. Like, it could go either way. Like, have you made enough political allies? But it's more of like, it's like a birth rank. Right. Now, you can be in a birth rank and be super high because your mom was the matriarch, and then you're a, you're a dick. Mm. And no one likes you. You don't get to keep your rank. Like you got to really. No, it is like it. politics. Hundred percent. Like, oh my god. It's like politics with like a little Game of Thrones thrown in there. Oh my god. So, it's all political allies. Like in our group, we have two different families within our one troop. So mm-hmm. we, we have like two matriarchal lines. We have Pandora's line and Nan's line. Our in two the bonobos. Oldest, in the yeah. chimpanzees. Oh, in the chimpanzees. And our two oldest ones. And um, whoever is alpha, so whoever's ruling the group, has been going back and forth between the two families. For 15 years. So when a new chimp comes in, um, you have to pick a side. Mm-hmm. Really? You, just, you do. And we actually had a really smart male who we could tell from watching objectively, like, oh, he's playing both sides. Really? Like, oh, uh, he's pretending to suck up to this one. And they were like, well, he's sneaking behind a tree and sucking up to that one. So he was very smart. So, I mean. And these are two matriarchies in the chimps, you said? or the, They're two matriarchal two... lines. Oh, okay, So got even it. though you have an alpha male that's super strong and is mm-hmm. – um, that all the males will outrank the females. So it's not a very feminist society, mm-hmm. but that's just who they are. Appreciate right. who they are, and it works for them. Um, the females can still hold a lot of power. Wow. So a male can't be alpha if the females aren't on board. Like, if mm. you don't get the ladies to agree, you're not going anywhere. And how – so this is so fascinating. <laughs> so, like, what, what does it mean if you're a lower rank? Like, what, how does your day-to-day change? Your day-to-day change means you don't get the best food. Mm. Yeah. You don't get the best place to sit. You don't get the best places to sleep, and you're not allowed to breed with the sexiest females. So there are sexier females. There are. And what determines that? Um, so, well, I'm sure there's just something je ne sais quoi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> they have a vibe. They have a vibe. Or but there are females that, um, for some reason, just are super popular. And it's like, it's not always the most, like, objectively attractive to us. Right. But for some reason, like, if we have this one female I'm thinking of in particular, so every, um, so when they cycle, they, they their sexual swelling is is visual. Like, mm-hmm. you can, you could see it. Their their butt puffs up like a big watermelon and it's super uncomfortable and they can't sit on it. But oh. it drives Aww. the boys crazy. I know. Imagine having a period everyone can see. Like, I know. And you can't sit. You can't sit down. And you can't sit down. And boys are just literally following you with their faces in your bum. So they only have the, they only mate during that time of the month? Oh, no. They mate all the oh, time. Oh, they mate all the but time. But the mating, like, skyrockets yeah. it during okay. that period of time. Um, so Honestly, some, some not that just... different. The boys are following you around with their face in your butt. And you have to be like, leave me alone. That has not been my experience. <laughs> 
But like some females take it, they're like, uh, like we have one female who loves the attention. And you mm-hmm. can tell she's oh, like, really? I know when I'm like this, I'm going to get all the food because you can walk up to any boy and be like, give me your pear. <gasps> and they'll be like, okay, anything for, <laughs> anything for you, madame. And so she, you know, it, it just works for her. And another one's like, oh man, they're following me again. And she screams and it's just horrible. Like she just really doesn't like the attention, but. Yeah. It is what it is. That's so interesting. It's kind of how it works. And, and so, so all the boys take turns, and the dominant males can just breed whenever. they. I mean, the female can say no. I mean, oh, yeah. they like, can? Sh- oh, yeah. Um, in, in chimpanzee society, for sure. They could just walk away and ignore, and it's hilarious watching these boys, like, dog ear, just like, oh, and flying around, like, maybe in a half hour she'll say it's okay. But, how um, does she let them know it's okay? She's- she'll just walk away. Or, like, how oh. does she know she's down to do it? How do I know? Or how do they? Or how, do they how does she know? How, how does, does she, she tell, them? tell them? Oh, she'll turn around and present herself. Got okay. it. There's yeah. like a specific physical Absolutely. move. Yeah. Okay. So like the male can come around and like kind of touch her on the torso, and like that's kind of a like just turn around, and she can turn around or not, or she can walk away, and then he's like wah wah wah, wah. and so the dominant males have much more of a success rate. So oh. they know they can try as often as they want. It's not a problem. If we have a lower ranking male. They usually have to do a sneak breed because if they breed in front of a dominant male, they'll get their butt kicked. So they'll get attacked by the male. Like, you know, no, you're not allowed to touch her this week because now she's fertile. Right. Um, so then they'll, like, kind of give a wink, wink behind a tree and then, like, go have sex behind a tree and then pop out like nothing ever happened. Oh, my God. I love this so much. Yeah. There's a lot of parallels you can draw. Like, you'll go crazy if you try to draw all the parallels between us and human behavior. But, I mean, we are – 99% identical genetically. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff I found when you really watch chimpanzees. If you like peel away all the extra stuff that we have and all the faux pas and all the stuff that we can't say and do, we're very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just have, we have imposed a ton of societal rules on ourselves. Right. They don't have that. They can't. It doesn't work for them. Yeah. So it's kind of like if they are happy, they're out of 10. If they're sad, they're out of 10. If they're mad, they're out of 10. If you know, they're excited, right. they're out of 10. It's like everything is out there for everyone to see. And I find it quite admirable. I think that's <laughs> So is there rape among great apes other than humans? Um, We wouldn't call it that. But there is, um, we call it forced copulation. Chimpanzees, it's really rare. Um, Interesting. Like incredibly rare. It's very big in orangutans. Okay. Um, so they will mate guard and do forced copulation. So if a female is in estrus fertile, um, they'll actually hold on to her and not let her go for several days because they don't want her to then go off in her territory and meet another male. Oh, wow. So that's very common. Uh, very common. More common. Got it. With orangutans. Um, bonobos, I don't think I've ever heard of it in bonobos or gorillas. That's fascinating. I mean, or I mean, over all the studies, I'm sure – Someone right, has seen it and interpreted common. it as a forced yeah. population, but orangutans are the ones that I know that that is seen. Wow. So, but, like, it's not instinctual. I don't know. So that's so curious to then it's like, why, why is it so prevalent in humans? Because we, I think because it's, we. It has to do with power. Power. Yeah. Right, exactly. And because their, it's their about. power structures are just so set. Right. Like, right. there's not. They don't need, they don't they need don't, that. Yeah. And then probably because they they are able to just express everything, so there's no like there's no like pa- like need for that repression yeah. or power. Yeah. Oh, you could co- probably go into that for day. Like if we had you and a like psychologist here, we could go <laughs> into time. that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I know. So what uh like what determines if someone is like an annoying orang- or like an annoying chimp? Like you like said to me personally, or no, like or in like, like group. Chimp. Yeah, in like the, where the group said, doesn't said, like them, they have bad personality. 
they had a bad personality. I mean, just like us, they're completely different. Yeah. I mean, we have some that are extremely passive and just want to be left alone. I mean, mm-hmm. they want to be with their group, but they're like, I'm just going to eat by myself. Yeah. Um, we have a, um, a female who, as far as we can tell, just likes to cause trouble. Really? Uh, she, just, <laughs> she just likes it. She likes getting with the drama. So if you have two chimps that are kind of yelling at each other, she's like, I also must be yelling. Uh-huh. Like, no, you don't. You don't need to do that. And then the initial fight will end and she'll just keep going. And then eventually she's screaming by herself and throwing a temper tantrum for so long that someone else is like, would someone shut her up? So then she gets attacked by someone. And it's like, just be quiet. Had oh, it's like reality TV. With. It's absolutely like ah. reality TV. She was um, very pregnant at one point, And so she couldn't really cause all the trouble but so we would watch her and she would um wait for like a really low-ranking female to walk by and then she'd take her and shove her into someone else just to see what would happen and it was like Ah! girl just sit down and relax you're about to give birth oh my god that's my other big question do they get bored well art like my job as a zookeeper is to make sure that they don't that they don't yeah. well i mean like everyone gets bored i mean it's good for everyone to, I mean, you and i get bored right mm-hmm. it's not like we're active all the time sometimes we are just vegging out in front of our tv so a little mm-hmm. bit downtime is of every day is good but our job is to make sure that they have everything they need in their environment to stay physically and mentally active mm-hmm. but i mean there's a, a rainy day in southern california so of course our chimp group was beside themselves with what to do so we give them access to indoor areas but i mean when it's pouring rain there's only so much you can do so they ended up taking um all the stickers that were on their fruit and sticking them on each other. So that's kind of <laughs> like, they entertained themselves really well. And what was great was, so our group is multi-generational. Like I said, we've got um, three generations. We used to have four. We just lost our oldest female about two years oh, ago. So oh, we, had, we had four generations in our group. It was really sad. But it was her time. She was 50. Oh, wow. Um, but so the youngsters just breathed so much life into this group. Mm-hmm. Like it's just they're like the adults shouldn't just be sitting around with adults all day. Like they're supposed to be playing with these kids and these kids are just – they're bonkers. They're crazy. So they can certainly be annoying, and they're allowed to do whatever they want. They have no discipline up until really? age like five or six now. So they can take food from the alpha's mouth. They can throw vegetables at a grown-up's head. They can <laughs> well, jump on their heads. They can pull their like, hair. They do I don't what- know. They're a baby. Yeah, they do whatever they want. Do yeah. they think? Do the adults find? Do you think they find the babies cute? Uh, it depends. So the play sessions we see are fantastic. I mean, you can get like these, like people are like afraid of chimpanzees and like, that's, you should have a healthy respect for them. Sure. I mean, they're going to be dangerous, but you have these big burly males tickling and playing and flipping babies upside down. I mean, it's great. And they, they play and we've got, we got calls once that's like, one of the males is, is trying to eat a baby. And you're like, <laughs> that doesn't sound right, but. Okay, we'll go check. We always check. Yeah. yeah. Go out. No, they're tickling. They tickle with their mouths. So oh. he had the torso of the baby kind of like He's a, doing like a, a, pfft, yeah, like a raspberry. Yeah, right. <laughs> a, a kind of like a hot dog, like, arr, arr, arr. Oh. Uh, we're like, yeah, they're fine. They're playing. They're fine, but thank you for your concern. That's but they're totally so playing. Cute. But they certainly get annoyed. I mean, they're yeah. sitting there trying to eat, or like, I'm trying to do a training session with one adult, and there's a baby throwing parsnips at the head, and, you know, and they're like, and they'll, they'll move off and find another area. So they can certainly get annoyed, but they're not allowed to do anything. Because if they do anything, the females will go after them. Yeah. You don't touch the babies. Wow. And, and what the, happens the around the five or six mark? They learn It's kind or? of <laughs> – they start to. So it's kind of like um, – so they take a very long time to develop. So they're not really fully grown up, a female, until she's 13 years old. Oh, And wow. a male until he's 17, like really fully grown. Oh. Once you hit five or six, you're definitely not a baby. You're, you're kind of more like a – like a middle schooler, yeah. I say, kind of like we, we kind of call them like tweens as well. It, it it doesn't quite compare, but so all of a sudden you have to start following grown up rules, 
which is really hard for them because they've never had to follow rules ever. Mm -hmm. So they're getting beaten up for, let's say you're playing too hard with a baby. Well, you could play really hard with a baby six months ago, but now you're too old to play with the babies that roughly, so now you can't do that. So then the adults will get mad at you for playing with the babies too roughly. Or if you use And there's no no No. verbal communication, so they can't really explain to you why. No, it's just, it's 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 really fascinating because we have a seven-year-old and we just watched her go through it for a year. And it's interesting of like, you can tell she's confused. She's like, I was just allowed to do that and no, I can't. And I was just allowed to jump on this female and I did that and the female chased me. Yeah. So I'm going to throw a temper tantrum because I don't know why she's chasing me. Yeah. And she's starting after a year, she gets it. Wow. She's like, okay, so she's being really careful, more conservative, acting more like the adult female. So it's just interesting. We have two six-year-olds, so I'm sure they're going to go through it this year yeah. too. But the personalities are completely different. So we have one that I think will fall in line and kind of get it, be like, okay, I'll just I'll fall, I'll go into the typical female role. And we have one six-year-old. It's going to be awesome. Just <laughs> Spitfire is not even an appropriate word. I don't think she's going to take it lying down. Oh my god, that's amazing. so. We'll see. We'll see what happens with her. Is there um is there monogamy ever or like is there like no. a uh no they don't care no they don't care they do have favorite yeah like, partners oh they do um, at, yeah I mean there's some that's like oh this one always likes to breed that one and mm. we've actually never seen him breed her for some reason mm. I don't know why oh. um so there are favored yeah but not monogamy yeah yeah are are so this is more towards bonobos i guess because i've heard i've heard about this but like are they are they gay at all um i mean homosexual acts have been seen yeah in bonobos and gorillas oh interesting in what sense what do you mean like like between males or between females well i Uh, thought in bonobos women bonobos all the time female female all the time yeah nice gorillas i've I, I've known about male male mm-hmm. because they don't all have groups that females that they mm-hmm. can release their needs. I don't know how. Yeah, else yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I've heard about that. It's not common, but it does happen. Yeah, I mean, and the bonobos is it has to do with the matriarchy, or they're just they just have sex for pleasure, and they're like, who cares? I believe they have sex for pleasure, and who cares? But it also does enforce power rankings and mm-hmm. dominance and that right. kind of thing. It's how yeah. they like align themselves mm-hmm. and get over stuff and everything. yeah, and it's like, hey, let's chill out together. Let's go have sex. And now everyone feels good. So, <laughs> uh, you know. That's so interesting because people are kind of like, oh, it's not, you know, it doesn't happen in animals. But it does. You hear it like about, yeah. yeah. I um, mean, like, and some of them are, it's partnerships for companionship mm-hmm. or sexual needs. And mm-hmm. I don't know. You can always find examples. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Never say never. <laughs> what are your thoughts on zoos and the controversy surrounding zoos? Well, I work at one. I know. So I'm, I'm sending you up to defend so them, I'm but very, I just, yeah. yeah. I'm very pro-zoo. The people who are find them controversial, I think it's important to note that we're all on the same side of we all want what's best for animals. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, that's the basic foundation mm-hmm. is people care yes. and they want them to live good, fulfilling lives. Right. So that's that cannot be understated. Um, we find a lot of people um, who aren't super pro-zoo really are basing it on very old school ideas of what zoos used to be like. And it is absolutely appropriate to critique past human care Mm -hmm. because we didn't know any better. I mean, you know better, you do better. And when they started in the 17 and 1800s, they had no idea. I mean, taking from the wild and weren't feeding the right thing. I mean, it was awful. And every decade that goes by, we learn more and more and more. And modern zoos that are accredited by the AZA, so zoos that have to 
check all these boxes for the absolute highest care, and there's tons of them. The LA Zoo is one of them, so San Diego Zoo is AZA accredited. There's, there, what does that stand for? The Association of um, Zoos and Aquariums. Okay, cool. Um, so, and you have to get uh, tested every few years, and if you are allowed to be part of this group, you know that the zoo you're going to is has the very best in conservation, education, and welfare for their animals. There are a lot of really bad zoos out there. Yeah. They are not accredited. And not saying if it's not accredited, it doesn't mean it's some horrible place. It's just sometimes you can't, for whatever reason, there's a law or a loophole that they can't fill. Mm -hmm. um, so you just need to do your research. But there are wonderful zoos out there. There are bad zoos out there. There are wonderful sanctuaries. There are horrible sanctuaries. Really? Because sanctuaries also are... Um, overseen by, I believe it's NAPSA. I'm not sure exactly. That's the Sanctuary Alliance of, mm -hmm. again, really good welfare. You can just make yourself a sanctuary and have no idea what you're doing. Right. right. So so zoos in particular, you know, the odds of taking an animal out of the wild is extremely slim. I mean, chimpanzees, it hasn't been done in generations. So our job is to keep and maintain a, a managed population um, of extreme genetic diversity. So mm -hmm. we're very, very careful about that. So right now the chimpanzee population is at like 95, 95, 96% genetic diversity within our group, which means we're doing a great job. Yeah. But that's because we don't just have them breed and breed and breed because you only have so much space. Mm -hmm. So we have um, endangered species in zoos, and a lot of the zoos um, carry mostly endangered species. They're all managed by SSP, Species Survival Plans, mm -hmm. in which case it's a committee that knows every single animal of a particular species in every place around the country and all its genetics and they know who can mate with who and who oh, can wow. have babies with who and who needs to maybe move to this location for this and that and that yeah know, like whatever. transfers exactly so we can get a recommendation and say yes or no of like they recommended this female we'd like her to breed and we said you know her health isn't great we don't want to breed her and they said okay that's fine how about these four? Oh, these four can totally have babies so was there a problem with incest because of the well, absolutely. Yeah. So in the wild, a female will leave the group. Yeah. So she can find right. new males that way. Some females do stay, mm -hmm. um, but females will leave the group. Now, in a in human care setting, you they, they can't just go wandering. Right. right? <laughs> so we have to be really careful. So yeah. they're all on birth control unless we have explicit instructions to let They're on birth control? Yeah. Yeah. They take all the same medicine that we do. Wow. So, what? Yeah. So you just pop a pill pack. One per one per day, and you put them in juice and keep them on birth control. And they so, drink the juice? Yeah. From what? A cup? A cup. Oh my God. Yeah, we also have one who's... Um, so going back to, like, zoos, so people don't know all the behind-the-scenes stuff we do. So in order to keep them healthy, we have to do all kinds of really cool medical management. So we have one who's 39. She's diabetic, type 1. So she gets insulin shots twice a day. Mm. She's been trained to come over, give her the shot. She gets a treat. She loves it. She also gets her blood glucose tested a couple times a day as well. Um, we've done all this positive reinforcement training. So it's the same kind of, as training a dog. Like, uh -huh. do this and I'll give you a treat. If you don't do it, okay, nothing happens, but I hopefully you come back and let me try again. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so we have trained them so we could do x-rays, EKGs, blood pressure, ultrasounds for the pregnant females. We can monitor their babies, make sure everything's growing well. We had one infant who would not breastfeed, and that was, it was heartbreaking. He just couldn't do it. His mom uh -huh. was holding him the right way, and he just, there was something. He wasn't latching. He just was not latching at all. So we ended up having to remove him for a couple days to just hydrate him yeah. and in those few days we trained our female to use a breast pump so that we could keep her milk going while baby was up she in. could do it by herself no we had um a portal we'd already trained maternal behaviors anyway like come up to the mesh present your nipple let me like 
yeah. really, really tug on it real hard. And um, <gasps> so that we could, like, within a day or two, my coworker and I trained her to let us put the breast pump on, full section. I just gave them mine. I was like, I'm done with mine. You can, you can have my, you can have my, you can have my, Bedella, my Medella pump in style. It's fine. Oh, my, oh my God. God. So we do all that stuff. We do all the groundwork so that if there's an emergency, we can do all of it. We don't want to have to immobilize an animal and take it up to the house. Yeah. You don't have to. Right. So you do all this really cool training so that you can keep them in their group, keep them calm and happy, and do the medical management that you need. I mean um, – a lot of our hoof stock are trained for hoof trims just right there in a safe area where the mm-hmm. zoos can do it, applying lotions and salves and birth control and antibiotics and all of it. The healthcare at a zoo is fantastic, Yeah, <laughs> um, so, which is why they can live quite quite a bit longer in human care than in the wild. We obviously don't have as much poaching and hunting and right. disease and all, of that, all the horrible <laughs> wow. stuff that's happening in the so-called wild. Um, we don't have to deal with um, at a zoo. But the main point of a zoo is to get people in there to learn and have our animals act as ambassadors for their wild counterparts. People aren't going to care if they don't see it. Right. Like, I, I teach children all the time. Mm-hmm. I brought my own to a zoo our zoo, it's not the same reading in a book as seeing it in person. Mm-hmm. And you know what? There are going to be some people who walk around the zoo, look at the things for an hour, go home, and that's it. There's going to be others that form a connection and they start to care. And yeah. when you start to care, you're raising a new generation of kids that are going to help the earth, help the environment, help the animals, and help ourselves because our generation is not doing a very good job. Mm-hmm. So like, our job is conservation and education while maintaining the highest qualities of care. Thank you so much because um, oh I God. love zoos and now I know what to say when people challenge me. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you so much. Would you like to play a game called Hypotheticals? Sure. Okay, great. Um, I'm so embarrassed to play this with you now. Why? Because she's so smart? Yeah. Okay, so our first game is America's favorite game show, Would You Stay With This Cheater? You find out your scientist significant other has created an AI version of you and is having a physical slash emotional affair with it. Would you stay with this cheater if you can even call that cheating? <laughs> wow. Huh. So they've created a robot why? of you. But why? Yeah. Um, because they have taken out some of the traits about you that they don't like. Oh, okay. Oof. So, okay. So that's that's creepy. But the only trait is that this AI lets them tickle you. What? Wait, this AI lets them, like, this. you hate to be tickled and the AI is lets you tickle them. But and that's you know, the only it, difference. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, because they mean, love it could to be tickle. An interesting partnership, I suppose. Yeah. What if it's what if the three of you just hang out? Do that, I like the AI? Yeah. Well, do you like yourself? I do. So maybe so cool. I you hang and out I, with like a better version of myself, a tickling version, a person who a version of you that lets that gets tickled. <laughs> And you guys are, I imagine you would be kind of best buddies. If it's my best version, does it cook? Um, Yes. Oh, 100% yes. So now you're just in a thruple. Well, yeah, because I've got two little kids and I need help. Oh. So that could totally help me out. Oh, Oh my God. And, you know, husband's still around, providing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a win-win. Wow. This is a very scientific way of looking at it, too. Like communal society, (laughs) multiple females, one male at the top. It takes a village. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I'm going to agree. We'll we'll stay with this cheater. I mean, it's a little weird. Okay, but but I'm going to stay. All right. Eventually, they leave you for the AI version of themselves. (laughs) They make an AI of themselves? And they leave you for that. And and they are sleeping with themselves. Yes. They're very egotistical. Oh, my God. Wow, I didn't. But you see had that. a few good years there. What happens to me and the AI? Do we have a lovely life yeah, together? Do I get to keep my? AI? Yeah, no, I have a huge falling out. 
<laughs> That's so sad. Because guess what? You're both stubborn. Oh, wow. I guess the worst traits of, of you come out in you. I think if I met myself, I would be like, shut this bitch up. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> okay, our next game. Are you a terrible parent? Ooh, this will be good. You are a parent, so <laughs> you'll have some insight. Your child hates their second grade teacher, so you befriend the woman and encourage her to get hooked on painkillers. <laughs> Within two months, she's gone on a bender, and your kids suddenly love school. They go on to cure cancer. Are you a terrible <laughs> parent? <laughs> okay, what? Okay, what? so you they hate their teacher, and their teacher is making them not do well Does at school. Does the teacher die? No, they just, they're, they go to rehab eventually. And then they're okay? No. Oh. I feel like it's more important to teach the kids kindness and getting ahead at the expense of someone else. I don't, that's not my personal philosophy. Yeah. Because they don't the, know that, they don't know that you did and this. And guess what? You're going to have teachers you don't like. You have to buck up and deal with it. Yeah. You don't get them addicted to painkillers. <laughs> okay, wait. I, I wouldn't. So <laughs> if, if they stay with this second grade teacher, then they hate school and they never cure cancer? Correct. Fuck. Wow. That's it. That's so the tricky part. It's it's that thing where it's like, do you sacrifice one person for the good of everybody? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say you're not a terrible parent. Whoa, we've got a controversy. <laughs> okay. Well, well, because I feel like it, the needs of the many outweigh. Well, you're right. But also, that second grade teacher would have cured cancer if you hadn't what? gotten them hooked on painkillers. Oh, my God. My so- kid's kind, and she cures cancer. Okay, hey, your kid does not cure cancer. Your kid oh, but drops- she does. The, the, teacher the teacher does. does. Yeah. yeah, your kid is I'll a high school anyway. dropout. I, I'll love him anyway. Yeah, so Kate is a good parent. Yeah, no, that's very clear. <laughs> yeah, and I am not, and that is also clear. <laughs> Our final game. Is this person an alien or just rude? Ooh. At a family reunion, your second cousin decides to give a 40-minute speech about the importance of healthy gut bacteria. Is this based on my dad's 40-minute speech at his family reunion? Yes. Okay. <laughs> When people start to leave in protest, they shout, this is the bad bacteria walking away, not the real you. Is this person an alien or just rude? I want to clarify that my dad's speech was not about gut health. (laughs) Which Uh, is even ruder. Yeah. Because there Uh, were no takeaways. No, I don't think there were. But he did give a 40-minute speech at a family reunion and then told me I could watch it on YouTube. So is he an alien or just rude? We don't know. Is it is your dad an alien or just rude? No, this or the person. person is like this the, person. The, the, the I think this person's an alien. Why? Because um, they seem to be obsessed with gut health. And are they are they some sort of gut health scientist? No. What do they do as a job? Um, they are in um, market strategy for a signage company. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's very specific. <laughs> But here's the thing. I know a lot of people who have, like, regular jobs but are, like, complete science nerds. Maybe they're just really passionate about gut health, and I would actually want to hear a little bit about it. So you wouldn't walk away? Maybe after 40 minutes. (laughs) But I would give it, like, quite a while. So they're not an alien or rude. They're just passionate. Yeah. Well, turns out half alien – and um, they recently discovered that they're half an alien and that the part – why they're – species is surviving so well is because of the importance they play on gut health. But it is a family reunion. So one of your relatives is an alien? Yeah. Which one? One well this person is half an alien and then their and then their deadbeat dad who disappeared was actually a full alien. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Crazy. It's, it's pretty cool. It's very similar to the um 
to the origin story of Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> I was just thinking. Sounds a lot like Peter. Wow. I didn't even clock that, and I'm a Marvel nerd. Thank you so much for joining us and for everything you do. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking about reclaiming words. Has dealing with stress and trying to get more focused a New Year's resolution you haven't cracked yet or don't really know how to fix? I have a lot of trouble staying focused and I also get super stressed out and I think the not being able to stay focused really dovetails with that. So if there was a way for me to keep my focus that didn't also cause my brain to get so scattered with stress, I would love to be able to fix it. I sometimes can't focus on the task at hand because I'm so busy realizing that there are things I need to do on the Just Between Us Instagram account. So I'll be like fully writing something and all of a sudden my brain will go, JBU Instagram, have to post on social media. Truvega is a handheld product that stimulates the vagus nerve to improve overall health and wellness. Stimulating the vagus nerve with Truvega helps to balance and strengthen the nervous system, which reduces stress, increases focus, improves mood, and improves sleep. Truvega is owned by Electrocore and uses its patented technology for overall health and wellness benefits. Its utilized technology is the most clinically studied and tested vagus nerve therapy available. Customizable sessions are only two minutes long. Recommended usage is one session in the morning and one at night. Truvega comes programmed with 350 sessions, which if used twice a day will last approximately six months. It's drug-free and easy-to-use therapy to help improve your health. No app or phone is required. We offer free standard shipping, payment plan options, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. It's only available in the U.S. at this time. Visit truvega.com, T-R-U-V-A-G-A.com, and enter promo code Just Between Us to enhance your wellness journey, support this podcast, and receive $15 off. That's T-R-U-V-A-G-A.com. Check out promo code Just Between Us. It's time for topics. X X X X X X X X X X X. Wow, very racy today with that many X's. You didn't say baby, baby. <laughs> um, so this week I wanted to talk about reclaiming historically demeaning words like slut or crazy. So you have a lot of thoughts on this because you feel that you can call yourself crazy. Yes. And so, people think that it's ableist, but you you believe that because you are crazy, you have uh, the right to call yourself crazy. I guess so. I mean, it's interesting because currently I don't feel crazy, but I've been crazy in the past. So it's like, can I still use it? <laughs> well, uh, like I feel the most sane I've ever felt, if we're being totally honest. But yeah, so what really prompted this was that um, I'm – uh, pitching in, in theory, pitching a book about um, mental illness, and the title included the word crazy. And my agent really pushed back on me about that and was like, Well, I just think that people will like look at this title and immediately be like, No, this is offensive. I can't read this. Yeah, or, I don't support this. But to me, it's like, it's a book about mental illness i'm it's by a, a mentally a, by, ill person right like <laughs> you know and it was a tongue-in-cheek title i don't want to ruin it in case one day i get to announce it but it's yeah very, it's very clever um <laughs> but and so that was like kind of shocking to me and it enters into that space of like when when are we like going too far 
Yeah, because I think you you've dealt with a lot of stuff and you're allowed to call yourself that, I think. Also, it's a thing where, you know, you're allowed, you know when it's being used in a demeaning way. Like, you know it when you hear it. Like, you're allowed to to say, like, I'm crazy. But I guess if someone was like, Allison's a, a liberal because she's crazy. You know what I mean? Then that that, you know, is like someone being rude to you. I would never react to the word crazy in the same way I would react to other words. Yeah. To be honest, there's no real word that offends me the way that, like, um, the N-word would offend a black person. That's a word that's completely off limits, I think, to to people who are not African-American and black. And, like, I – Sure. That – it's in a league of its own. Have you ever been called uh, the Jewish offensive word that starts with a K? Kike? I, are we allowed to say that? Why not? Because we're see, Jews. I don't see why we're not allowed to say it. Because we're Jews. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know, but I don't. I don't think that they would really bother me. I mean, it, it would bother me in the sense that I'd be like, "Oh, great, we got this crazy anti-Semite <laughs> on our hands." But like, I wouldn't. Like, I wouldn't feel sadness. I. It happened to me a couple times, and I was when I was in high school because I went to a Jewish day school, and we would like walk around in our uniforms, and and people like on the street would say it, and we were like. <laughs> What year is it? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. Like it's so it feels antiquated in some way. Like I was like, what are you call what? I just feel like it gives like I don't I'm not letting anyone have that kind of power over me where yeah. one word would like uh, destroy me. I think it I think it's very revealing of the other person's character. It is. Like yeah. I think that's like a huge sign that like this is a anti-semite. Yeah. You don't ever use that word unless you're an anti-semite. Yeah. But um I I wouldn't like it wouldn't hurt me. So I I get into this with um people who don't like that I call myself queer. Mhm. Because they think you can't reclaim a slur. But, I think it's the most powerful thing you can do. Absolutely. Yeah, and I fucking am queer. Like, I don't know what the word, what, I don't know what, like, I'm bisexual. More and more in terms of, like, what I identify as, it's, like, more and more just, like, queer defines it. Like, and that's, how do you define queer? Um, like, just not straight. Mm-hmm. Like that's how I use it. Yeah, and just, and it's more all-encompassing, and it's right. more, like, you know, it, 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 it encompasses the whole community. Um, in a way that, like, I think a lot of other stuff doesn't. Right. And, and also, like, you know, uh, I, I, like, I, I'm so fucking, que- like, I almost drove my car off the road because a girl was in a bikini on the street yesterday. Like, I'm fucking queer. Like, I don't know what you want me, you know what I mean? I was on the phone with someone and they were like, what just happened? And I was like, sorry, a girl was in a bikini and they were like you are so gay (laughs) and sometimes I forget and then I'm like whoa that was gay as hell but like I I but then also people are annoyed if I'm bisexual and I call myself gay Mm -hmm. but then gay is like a umbrella term I feel like I feel that that always trips me up when you say that though yeah, because but because it's like I think it, I feel like it's a racing part of you. I do feel for the bi community in the sense of using it as like a descriptor, but I feel like it is. You feel for them that it's that it is or? a little bit er- erasing. Yeah, which is why I prefer to use queer. Yeah, when you, as soon as you reclaim a word, the derogatory element of it is gone. Yeah, it is no longer a bad word. Yeah, it is just a descriptor. So I think the issue, like with a lot of this stuff, is like. 
So let's say slut, right? Right. Slut implies that you have sex with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I think originally that was meant to be bad. Yeah. But now when it's reclaimed, it just means you're someone who has sex with a lot of people. Right. And that's not inherently bad or good. It's just a descriptor of your lifestyle. Yeah, I don't feel like I don't I don't feel bad about that word at all. Uh, I guess I used to, but I don't now. I'm just like, who cares? Like you're a small minded person if you think that that's an insult. But specifically, but it's interesting because I differentiate between uh, like slut and whore or hoe. And Uh I've seen a lot of um, sex worker friends be annoyed when people use the word hoe to describe themselves that are not sex workers. Right. Because slut is someone who has sex, you know, a lot of sex, whatever. But um, for free. For free, because they're not smart. But uh, <laughs> but then, like, uh, uh, a whore or hoe can only really be reclaimed, I think, by sex workers. Yeah. The thing about reclaiming is it's something – it has to be something that you are. Yes, exactly. Like, these words are now things that you can – well, I think queer is different. To me, I think it's okay if you describe – If you describe, describe the another, community, uh, yeah. Right? Like, People feel really strongly about it, but I'm – I. I think it's worse. I think uh, queer is fine. And I just got someone messaging me like, as a straight guy, can I say the queer community? And I think you can. I don't speak for everyone. To me, it wouldn't bother me at all. I mean, I guess I think we're in a turning point where like it's not. I wonder in like in 10 years what it will be like with Mm -hmm. all these words versus like I think right now, as you said, it's still divided. I think yeah. I think it's still controversial for some people and not a big deal at all for other people. Yeah. And so I don't know. And so and because of that, I feel like unless you identify with that group, mm-hmm. just don't say it. Yeah. And then and then we wait it out and then like 10 to 15 years from now we see <laughs> you know what yeah. what 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 feels right. But I think if you do identify as it, then fucking use it and reclaim it and strip the negative connotations from those words because it implies that something about you is inherently bad that's not. Or shameful. But also, yeah. if someone who's not that, because you I, you call yourself that, they feel comfortable to call you that and that's not okay, you can tell them. Yeah. You can say, hey, no, I, I call myself that, but you you can't. Right. Like, I think it's fine if that straight guy who wrote, wrote in to me, if he was like, you know, if if he was like, oh, I support the queer community. I think that's fine. I think, and I think the thing to think about when you're thinking about lashing out as someone is what is their intentions? Yeah. Were they trying to be offensive or are they just, are they just potentially undereducated about it? Are they, you know, like we're here people who think about this stuff all the time and we still don't know the right answers. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think that like a lot of times there's like, if you, if you say something and then there's like this like attack, it's like. What was the person's intention? Like, were they just flippantly saying the word, or did they were they misunderstanding the use of the word, or you yeah. know what I mean? And like, yeah, that there is like this gray area, and so like, if you're a member of that specific community, potentially like helping other people out in terms of like what the correct way to use the words are. Yeah, or just or like, and if and listen, like if you say something, and then a bunch of people are like, "Hey, no," right? You go, "Oh, okay, sorry," right? You know what I mean? I think that we really disagree on, like, um, like 
whether or not to educate other people. Like, I think that you're often like, fuck you, Google it. But to <laughs> me, I'm like, you know, if it, I like to, like, give someone a, a chance where, like, if mm-hmm. I say, I'll, I'll explain something once. I'm not mm-hmm. going to, like, spend my life explaining things to the same person. But I think everyone, I don't think it's too much to ask if someone's asking a genuine question and you explain it to them one time. But I also can can disagree. Like, I've had people come at me about queer and I'm like, I don't agree. Right. Also, you don't get to tell me what I identify as. Exactly. I like I I hear you. I hear what you're saying and I disagree. I mean, I think in terms of like the like queer and and bisexual and like those like are clear labels and then and then it gets like murkier with something like crazy. Yeah, or slut. Or slut because mm-hmm. like, you know, there's not a it's not like, oh, I did this and this and now I'm clearly crazy or I did I slept with this number of people mm-hmm. and now I've become a slut. It's much more like of a vague term. Mm-hmm. Um and so, you know, I think I I think the issue with the word crazy for me is that there is this use of it that that women are crazy. Yeah. And that like just behaving as like a normal person with normal emotions mm-hmm. means that you're crazy. And so for me in like the reclaiming of it, it's more about like um I have less control over my neural pathways than I would like. <laughs> yeah. You know, that like my, that I am like, I'm medicated or I'm in, mm-hmm. you know, I've been diagnosed with something and like to use it, to use it more for um, actual mental illness mm-hmm. than just like, oh my God, she texted me three times. She's crazy. Yes, exactly. No, I agree with that. And I think that part of, part of making that shift is by letting people like me use that word. I think, uh, I don't know, because I feel like sometimes people with mental illness are like, it's used to write us off. It's it's personal, right? Like, I think you reclaim it and use it. I I have bipolar disorder, but I don't identify with crazy. I don't identify as crazy. I don't think that I'm crazy, but I think that I can use the word crazy to identify past behavior. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I think that, like, in the past I have acted crazy mm-hmm. or I've been unable to control myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that you're either crazy or not crazy. I think there are moments of crazy. I do try to not use it as a descriptor or or I try not to use dumb either. So I, I've been, like, I'll, I'll consciously – I've started using the word wild a lot. Mm. So, like, when I would be like, that's crazy, I'll usually – I've consciously been, like, I've changed it to being, like, oh, that's a wild story or, like, that's wild that that happened or whatever. Yeah. Like, I've purposefully subbed out crazy for wild or bonkers or bananas. Yeah. No, I like that. Yeah, I mean, I – to me, it's like it's it's tough because like I don't necessarily like use that all the time, but I think in the specific case of using it for a title of a book about mental illness, right? That's okay. Yeah, but like, yeah, I, I don't coming wanna, from you, coming yeah. from me about my past experiences, but I don't want to like use it flippantly, like you said, and and it is something that I maybe need to sit and think about more. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's like right for someone to tell me that I can't use that word. Yeah. <laughs> I think now, like, let, like going back to slut, we grew up with slut being such a derogatory term. Mm-hmm. But if I can imagine people growing up now where it's used as, like, something someone's proud of. Yeah, of course. And that, to me, completely shifts how you think about sex and sex positivity in general. So yeah. that, to me, is such a powerful world, word where the, we're reclaiming it can actually do so much good. Yeah, like slut walk. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I imagine agree. not being afraid of being called that, right? And, and the freedom that that would give you as as a young woman. Mm-hmm, I agree. So, it's interesting. Words are powerful. Yes, 
And you know what's even more powerful? What? Ratings. <laughs> so what do we think, Melissa? I am going to give this f- a five-star matriarchal rating. Oh, my oh, God. We got, we got stars. five stars for the lady. We, we got five stars from Melissa. Can you believe it? I no, know. I can't. Well, believe it. I really enjoyed this episode. <laughs> oh, my God. I We could have talked to Kate for another hour. I know. I had to, like, be, like, be respectful of her time. <laughs> oh, my God. I Yeah, that was wild. I give it... Uh, 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 10 out of 10 gay bonobos. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, I give it um, 75% chance I'm going to leave this career to do that. I wish you guys could see how like excited and like stunned that Allison is right now. I know. <laughs> Allison's like love of animals. I mean, it's not, it's like not a joke. No, it's out of control. <laughs> what, what did you learn, Melissa? Um, I learned... I really like what she had to say about, like, animals are just as smart as they need to be. I mm-hmm. love that. And I've never heard that before. Me and either. it, like, blew my mind. I yeah. I was like, that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. I almost <sighs> feel like we're too smart. And that's why there's so much destruction and yes. issues. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's like we figured too much out and or, now we don't have anything to do. Or we're too repressed. Like, they get to get everything out. Yeah. And, and we've somehow caused repression to mm-hmm. ourselves. I learned that they sneak off, like, if they think, if they're, it's not a high-ranking male, they sneak off yeah. to have sex, and that is relatable. <laughs> yeah. And, wow. And she said they kind of give, like, a wink before they go I love it. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. And I like that the, 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 the one woman is like, yeah, I'm fertile right now, and what? <laughs> and the one who's like, I want drama, and just starts screaming yes. whenever anyone's screaming. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> or wow. when she was pregnant and she just like yeah pushed hit somebody. That <laughs> I was like, "This is Vanderpump Rules." It is. It's Vanderpump Rules of monkeys. Yeah. Oh no, chimps! Chimps, chimps, chimps! Oh wow! And I loved the the saying that silverback gorillas have a bad rap and we shouldn't. That's what I was gonna say. I learned. Yeah, that they're actually very gentle and it's all for show. And I- they have tiny, tiny balls. <laughs> yeah. Little dime size. Dime yeah. size balls. Wow. <laughs> Just Between Us is hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Our engineer is Brendan Burns. He also composed our killer theme music. Our producer is Melissa D. Motts, and our supervising producer is Josephine Martirana. Our executive producer is Chris Bannon. Just Between Us is a production of Stitcher. This has been fun, Gabby, but I'm out. I believe you. Stitcher. The mob, the mafia, the syndicate, the family. Once you're in, you're in, you can't get out. What we know about the mafia, it's all about the guys. But there's another side of the mob in the 20th century, and it's just as dangerous, but in a totally different way. Especially if you're a gay man, a drag queen, or a woman. We're talking about the underworld of New York City's very first drag clubs and the woman. That's right. A woman who ran them. A woman named Anna Genovese. Anna was the goddess. She's a tough old bird. Who was this mob queen with the 
insight and ability to write her own ticket in a man's world. That's what we want to know. Who is Anna Genovese? Mob Queens is out now. You can listen on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.